What's the primary purpose of missions? To obey the Great Commission? What about to see lost people find Jesus? Well, that's what we're talking about today on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. I'm Steve Schwetz, inviting you to hop aboard the Bible bus as we set off for our study in Psalms 67 and 68. If you're new to this program, welcome aboard. We're glad to have you as part of our listening family who joins us in more than 200 languages around the world. Now, as you begin this journey, there's a few things that are helpful to know. First, this five-year tour of the Bible alternates between the Old and New Testaments, teaching from every book and every chapter. And today we're in the Old Testament book of Psalms. But, you know, it really doesn't matter where you start. You just hop aboard, and in five short years, you'll make it through the whole Bible. And second, we provide free notes and outlines to help you get the most out of each lesson. If you use our app, you've already got them right there at your fingertips. But they're available in one volume called Briefing the Bible as well. You can just call us, and we can mail that out to you. Or you can download them individually for each study. If you want to find out more, visit ttb.org forward slash notes. And you can also download Briefing the Bible on the Kindle app. And third, if you'd like to listen on the go, visit ttb.org to check out many other options from apps to podcasts, station listings, a flash drive, and a whole bunch more. We make Dr. McGee's studies available in so many different formats, hoping that you'll find the one that works best for you. And then finally, no matter how long you've been studying God's Word on the Bible bus, we always love to hear from you, our family of listeners. How'd you find out about Through the Bible? Is there maybe a specific study or passage that's been meaningful to you? Remember, your stories like this one from a listener named Stephen in Rome, Georgia, are a real encouragement to us. Stephen says, On most mornings, 50 years ago, as a 10-year-old child in Baltimore, Maryland, my widowed mother and I sat at my kitchen table listening to Dr. McGee's messages of God's grace. Through various circumstances, my mother became a Christian and ultimately the missionary president of her church. I, too, have found God's great grace and serve in various ways. Today, while my mother has passed over the Jordan, I still listen to Dr. McGee's messages, and always they are a blessing. Well, we certainly love to hear stories of God's Word being passed from one generation to another. Now, how's God using His Word in your life? Would you tell us about it? You can email us anytime by simply emailing to BibleBus at ttb.org or leaving a message, a voice message, that is, at 1-800-65-BIBLE. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that comforts our souls and revives our hearts. Help us to know how we can glorify you and then play a small part in bringing your name and your word to our families and communities. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now let's open to Psalm 67 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now friends, this 67th Psalm is one of the shortest psalms of a prophetic nature that we have, and it has, you'll notice, seven stanzas. Now, I believe that the numbers in Scripture do have a meaning. I think you can go to seed in that direction also. But the number seven seems to be not so much the number of perfection as the number of completeness, and in the sense that it is complete why there is the perfection always implied. But I think that completeness is the thing. And this gives us, as it were, a great song that reveals the ultimate and final desire and purpose of God for this earth. And actually, it's a great psalm of the kingdom. And we need to recognize that, that it's a psalm of the kingdom. And there are certain things in this psalm that 
are quite wonderful, and we'll spend a few moments here today. It's been labeled a missionary psalm. For instance, the Expositor's Bible says this, This psalm is a truly missionary psalm. And then they proceed to give the outmoded post-millennial interpretation of the church converting the world. Now, it's not a missionary psalm as such. Actually, the church is not in this psalm at all. In fact, I think that by now, many of you have discovered that at least we do not believe the church is in the psalms only in a figure of speech or in a symbol. We saw it in the 45th Psalm as the queen in the gold of Ophir that was there. And that is, the church will be with the Lord Jesus when he reigns on the earth. Now, this actually is a prophetic psalm. It looks beyond this age to the kingdom. It's a millennial kingdom we're talking about. And there you see a converted world, a renovated world, And it's a world in which God shall bless us and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. The curse will be removed and then I'll be able to sing the hallelujah chorus. Now, I want to use this today as an example of the fact that there is a difference between interpretation and the application of Scripture. And we need to learn to make that One of the simplest rules of Scripture, and one that I'm afraid that a great many theologians and Bible teachers in our seminaries have forgotten. It's so simple, they want to be very esoteric today and intellectual, so they miss these simple things. And the simple thing is this, all Scripture is for us, but all Scripture is not to us. And so we have that actually here, but it's for us. Now, we see here, first of all, the perspective of missions here. Now, somebody's going to say to me, how can you possibly get missions into a psalm if it looks beyond the church? Well, there's a great principle of hermeneutics. Now, that's the science of interpretation, and that means to distinguish between interpretation and application. Interpretation is definitive. It's like a mole. It's basic. And Scripture doesn't mean everything under the sun you want it to mean. It means one thing, but there is an application. And that application must rest upon the interpretation if it is to be accurate, and the application can be elastic. I can illustrate that with a very simple illustration. Now, a diamond, to be of any practical value, it first must be mounted in a proper setting then it may be worn on any finger it fits. I was in Washington for the first time several years ago, and I went to the Smithsonian, and among other things, I saw the Hope Diamond. And by the way, it was quite interesting. Great many people were passing by all the space exhibit, but they all were looking at that Hope Diamond. And I suppose that that's the covetousness that's in the hearts of all of us. That hope diamond was there. But I could see it as no value. It couldn't be worn on any finger. It's just, there it is. And I'm told if anything happened there, that that diamond where it rests, the case that it's in, it would go down in the basement somewhere in a vault. It's not doing anybody any good, as I can see, 
and no personal good at all. It's just a big diamond, ill-starred and ill-fated. Now, a diamond, therefore, must be in a setting. Scripture must first be put in a proper setting, and that's interpretation. Then it may be placed on the finger of experience, and that's application. We have an old bromide that says, if the shoe fits you, put it on. If you come to one of these psalms and it speaks to your heart, and God can speak to you in all of them, and I hope he does in all of them, why, it has a message. The interesting thing is that God's message to the seven churches of Asia, when the Lord Jesus spoke to them, it had a local application and a local interpretation, I believe, that God was speaking, that the Lord Jesus was speaking directly to a local church. But he concluded it by saying, here, and that's for the fellow that's got ears. And if you've got ears, he's talking to you. Let him that hath ears hear what the Spirit saith to what? The churches. And so there's a message in every one of them for us. Now, that's application. Now, this is not a missionary psalm. I'll repeat that. But there are great principles here. Now, there are in this psalm several things that are quite interesting. There were the seven stanzas. Bless us is there three times. Praise thee is there four times. And there are three persons or groups here. God, and I think he's mentioned 15 times there, and the Trinity is there, and us, and that is not the United States. That's mentioned six times, and it's just as far-fetched to say that it's the church as to say it's the United States. Israel is mentioned, and in verse 6, it's even our own God. (laughs) And that means Israel there. And the nations are mentioned nine times. That means foreigners. They're peoples or races and different stratas of society. That means you and it means me. Now, notice how the psalm opens here, and it opens with a reference to the Trinity, strange as this may seem. God be merciful unto us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Selah. Now, we've had that face, the face of God before. And we have said that even from the beginning, some of the teachers of Israel said that the face of God means the Messiah. And you have that here. And that's a reference, by the way, to that great, threefold Trinitarian blessing that God gave to the nation Israel when he prepared them for the wilderness march. He gave it to them in number 6, 24 and 26. And you've heard it many times at a wedding. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. That's God the Father. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. That's the Messiah. That's Jesus. That's Christ. That's our Savior. And then, verse 26, the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And only the Spirit of God can do that. So we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A threefold blessing here. And it says, they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. So here we have that reference to it. So this is the fulfillment of it. In the millennium. Now, notice what he says here as we go on through after this ironic blessing. 
And we have here that thy way may be known upon earth by saving health upon all nations. Now, there's no blessing for the earth until Israel actually is back in the land. I don't mean as they are today. I mean put there by the Lord. When he puts them there, they'll be able to do what Isaiah said in Isaiah 49, 13. Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth. Break forth into singing, O mountains, for the Lord hath comforted his people and will have mercy upon his afflicted. But Zion said, The Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. Can a woman forget her sucking child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. Now, that's what God says concerning these people. Now, either God meant it or he didn't mean it. And far as I'm concerned, he meant it. Now, will you notice verse 3? Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. Now, here is a marvelous, wonderful picture that we have here before us. Now, verse 4, O let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for thou shalt judge the people righteously and shalt govern the nations upon earth. And here is this marvelous blessing that God had promised to Abraham I'll make you a blessing to all peoples, all nations. And the Lord Jesus made it very clear, salvation is of the Jews. That was his first coming. Now, this is his second coming, and there will be a converted earth at that time when he comes. And the greatest time of salvation, I believe, is in the future. But that's not in this age, not until the millennium will this come true, nor can it come true. I don't think it's possible at all for it to come true in our day. For instance, Isaiah 66, 19 says, I will set a sign among them. I'll send those that escape them unto the nations, to Tarshish, Pool, Lud, that draw the boar to Tubal and Javan, to the isles afar off, that have not heard my fame, neither have seen my glory. They shall declare my glory among the Gentiles. This is a glorious, wonderful psalm. Now, you have here this tremendous picture that is given to us. I move on down. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. Now, we come down here to this wonderful program that God has. What is the goal of God, God's desire, that we should get Israel back to the land? No, we're to preach the gospel. That would indeed be foolish just to be interested in getting them back to the land. But it's no more foolish than try to convert the world. The church will not bring in the kingdom by preaching. I can assure you that the Scripture makes it very clear. Romans eleven twenty five, Paul says, I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel how long until the fullness of the Gentiles become in? All right, let me read on. I must move through this psalm. Then shall the earth yield her increase. The curse of sin will be removed from the earth, you see. And God, even our own God, shall bless us. Now, God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. Now, let me drop down and make this final comment, because I think this is important for us to see. 
Suppose this day I should ask you, what is the primary objective of missions? What is the purpose of mission? Why should we be engaged in it? What would you say? Now, maybe way out yonder somewhere, somebody will say the purpose of missions is to save souls. And my answer is no, that's not the purpose. Somebody says, you don't mean that. I do mean that, friends. Aren't we trying to get people saved? Yes. But that's not the primary purpose. Will you notice this? We should preach the gospel to every creature in order to obey the command of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our orders. We're to get the gospel out. We're to get the word of God out. Now, somebody says that's the motive. Well, you're closer to the truth. But honestly, I don't think that's quite it. What is the purpose of mission? What is the final goal? Why should we be doing this today? Will you listen now to this psalm and let me lift it out again? Let the people praise thee, O God, that all the people praise thee. Verse 7, God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. Now, that's reverential trust in God. What is the final goal of missions? Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. What does that mean? The chief end of missions is to glorify God. That's the purpose of this broadcast, to glorify God. Now, will you listen to me very carefully? That is the engine that's to pull the train today of this broadcast and of every mission program is to glorify God, and that which follows it is this. It's to preach the gospel. It's to get the word out. It's to get people saved. Why? All that our God might be glorified. I wonder if we've lost that objective today. There is in the catechism that I had to learn. I used to could give it all. What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That's the purpose of man down here. Why are you in existence down here? Is the purpose down here for us to eat the meat and the fish and leave behind an empty dish? Is that all that man is supposed to do? No, man is to glorify God. We glorify Him when we get His Word out. We glorify Him. When we preach the gospel, we glorify God when people are saved. But the purpose is to glorify God. Friends, I hope I got that over to you. If I didn't, I'd like to come in right where you are right now and sit down and let's talk this thing over. Because it's very important that we put the primary purpose first, that we get things in a correct perspective. I spent too much time there. Maybe I didn't. Now, we come to Psalm 68 and this, again, is a very wonderful psalm that we have. Now, the preceding psalm that we just looked at, it goes back to Numbers, as we saw, the sixth chapter, verse 25. Now, this psalm goes back to Numbers, the tenth chapter, verse 35. And we'll get to that. I'm going to hit high points here, and that's what I'll have to do. It opens with, "...let God arise, let his enemies be scattered." Let them also that hate him flee before him. Now, this goes back to Numbers, the 10th chapter, verse 35. Now, when Israel was ready to begin the wilderness march each day, 
This is the way that they began. And when they would begin the wilderness march, Moses would say this, Numbers 10, 35, It came to pass when the ark set forward that Moses said, Rise up, Lord, let thine enemies be scattered. Let them that hate thee flee before thee. Now, that was when they were ready to march. And this is another wonderful song of triumph and glory. The last psalm was a singing psalm. This is a singing psalm. And what a glorious psalm that it is. Now you have in this psalm here, it's a great victory song. We find as we move down in this psalm here, sing unto God, sing praises to his name. You see, here again we go. It's to glorify God. And that is what God's moving toward. The day when this earth will glorify him. They don't glorify him today. They take his name in vain. Now, we have in verse 13 an interesting verse. Though ye lie among the sheepfolds, yet shall ye be like the wings of a dove covered with silver and of feathers with yellow gold. You see that it was back in the book. Well, it's back as far as Genesis, where Reuben, you will recall, he didn't go to the battle because of the fact that he was hiding in the sheepfold. And though he do that, why, even Israel was undecided and inactive, and maybe. But now the dove, and the dove is a sacrificial bird, and it's a type of Christ. And what a picture that we have here in that. Though they be negligent, though they not move as they should or have the enthusiasm, yet the sacrifice of Christ will cover them. But the thing I wanted to call attention to is verse 18. And actually, this could be called a psalm of the ascension. It's quoted in Ephesians 4, 8. Thou hast ascended on high. Thou hast led captivity captive. Thou hast received gifts for man, yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God might dwell among them. And when we finish psalms, we'll be going to the epistle to the Ephesians, and I'll dwell with that. But when the Lord Jesus Christ ascended to heaven, I think he did two things. He took all the saints of the past. They were in paradise. He'd redeemed them. God had saved them on credit up to that point. But our Lord paid the redemptive price when he died on the cross. He takes them yonder into the presence of God, the spirits of just men, made perfect, by the way. Now, what else did he do? He gave gifts unto man down here so that today he carries on his work through men he's given gifts to. And the interesting thing, every person in the church has a gift, and they all don't have the same gift, of course. This is a marvelous verse, you see. Now, we have here that which speaks of a glorious victory for the future. Verse 21, But God shall wound the head of his enemies, a hairy scalp, that's Antichrist, of such a one as goeth on still in his trespasses. The Lord said, I'll bring again from Bashan. I will bring my people again from the depths of the sea. What a tremendous psalm this is. And then he mentions here little Benjamin. You see, he's talking about the children of Israel. Now, I wondered if somebody today that believed that Great Britain or the Ten Lost Tribes might not come up, says, since this says little Benjamin, it really refers to Big Ben over in London. 
May I say to you, there's interpretations that are that wild today. But little Benjamin here, you know who it means? It means little Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin. Doesn't mean anything else. What a wonderful psalm this is. All right, we leave right off there today and begin next time, my beloved, with Psalm 69. So until then, may God richly bless you, my beloved. As Dr. McGee said, our purpose as people is to glorify God. That's also the purpose of Through the Bible. And we want to take the whole word to the whole world, and that's just for starters. As Dr. McGee said, our mission is to glorify God in every corner of his universe. You know, you can partner with us in a couple of ways. First and most important is to pray with us as God's word travels to the ends of the earth. And then as you can invest your gifts in this mission, visit ttb.org forward slash give or call 1-800-65-BIBLE. We're well on our way through our exciting journey through the book of Psalms. I'm Steve Schwetz inviting you to stay aboard the Bible bus and join us next time for another adventure through the Bible. Today's study is always available, free to stream or download, thanks to the generous and faithful investments from your fellow Bible bus travelers. Just go to ttb.org or download our app to listen again anytime. As always, we'd love to know what's God teaching you.